Lord, I pray at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. And Lord, if there's anything weighing on us or distracting us, I pray that you give us grace to lay it at the foot of your cross so that we may take up your joy, uh, your mantle of joy with gladness. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So does anyone have any plans to go traveling this summer? No. No? Gas prices, right? I was going to start talking about how easy it is for us to travel now, but now it's easier to burn gold than gas. It costs less money. It's pretty expensive. But in Jesus' day, people didn't travel a whole lot. I mean, if you were a merchant or if you were a soldier or if you were a dignitary or someone who worked in the government, you might travel a bit, but most everybody else just stayed close to home. That's how it was. Uh, my buddy Peter emailed me uh, or messaged me a, a few weeks ago, and he said, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross this one off the bucket list. I'm taking my motorcycle across the country. I'm like, that's fantastic. And now my friend Peter is in his 70s. And uh, he said, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And so his son was very concerned that he was going to take his motorcycle across the country. So he said, that's fine, Dad, but you need... You need some equipment. You need to learn how to pack. You need to do a trial run. So Peter asked me, hey, uh, would, you, uh, would you go with me on the trial run, which was Friday and Saturday? And I said, I'd be happy to. So uh, off we went on this trial run. And it was amazing how this little trip, we went to a place called Noel, Nova Scotia. Have you ever heard of it? It's because it's the furthest place from anywhere. Uh, in the whole world. Most peaceful place I've ever been. And, and we, went, we went down uh, yesterday, and I was amazed at how the big journey was tied up in our little journey as we anticipated and prepared. For Luke, journeying is a theme throughout the Gospel of Luke and throughout Acts of the Apostles. Luke is all about traveling. And whether it's, it's literally like Paul going all around the Mediterranean Ocean or figuratively that we journey with Jesus through the stages of our lives, we are called to follow. And that means movement. And in this short passage in Luke, we see what does it mean to actually journey with Jesus. And what we see is we get three examples of what it looks like to follow, but it starts with how are you going to handle rejection? And so that's where we're going to begin today. One, one of the most painful things we can experience in life is the pain of rejection. You know, so we, we learn how to avoid it as best as possible. We learn very early, do not discuss vaccinations at family gatherings. It just causes trouble. You don't do that. But some of us, we hide aspects of our personality and character from our loved ones because we don't want to face rejection. And it's painful because we feel that we're kind of not as intimate with our loved ones as we would like to be. But we do a lot to avoid it. And what happens often when we are rejected, when we are hurt by others, is that we very quickly spring into action to cause them pain. Look at social media right now. One person puts up an opinion and then there's a mile long of hate and anger afterwards. What do we do as followers of Jesus when we experience hurt and rejection? Well, we don't do what James and John wanted to do, right? They wanted to go Old Testament on that town. Why would the town reject them anyway? 
That's an age-old lesson of one group of people hating another group of people. And the feeling was very much mutual. But when they found out that Jesus and his, his crowd, because he probably had a bunch of people walking with them, were going to Jerusalem, they said, no way. We don't want your kind here. We don't like you. You don't treat us well. We certainly don't want a lot of you here. That's why they rejected them. And when James and John had that knee-jerk reaction, let's smite them. They will get smoten. Jesus says, that's not how I roll. That's not how I operate. And what they did when they experienced rejection was not with anger or hatred. It was in peace and moving on to the next place. So as we go through this world and we identify as followers of Jesus and people reject us or suspect us or whatever, what is the response? Love and peace and moving on to where there is reception and the possibility of relationship. That's what we're called to be. Not to hide who we are as followers of Jesus, but to go out lovingly in the character of Jesus. And that means uh, reacting in, in ways different from what we see around us. So as they're going along, uh, a man comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So in the Greek, when he says, I'll go with you wherever you go, I'll do whatever it takes, is basically the idea. And you can see the excitement in this person's life. It might be that he's expecting some kind of military activity. You know, glory and all that stuff that, that young people think is going to be waiting for them when they fight and isn't there. Just bravery and courage, but a little, you know, glamour, right? He wants to do, he wants to lay his life on the line for Jesus. It's part of human nature, I think, when we expect things to get tough, when we get into that rough situation, we say, I knew this was going to be rough, but I didn't think it would be like this. Have you ever been there? And Jesus is basically saying, you may have to lay down your life if you follow me, but that's not the, that's not the kind of suffering. I don't have a place to sleep tonight. Following me does not guarantee you're going to have all your creature comforts. Don't tell anybody who follows prosperity gospel that, that Jesus said this. We will not have a glamorous life guaranteed if we follow Jesus. Quite the opposite. We will know suffering. We will know hardship. He promises it. But the question is, what do we do about that? Jesus set his face resolutely towards Jerusalem, knowing what that meant. Our task is not to do that. Jesus already paid the price on the cross. Our task is to resolutely keep our eyes on Jesus. And when the going gets tough and we say, I don't know how you could call me to this. I don't know why. I don't see you in it. But Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Because not only is he our Savior, not only is he our Lord, he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus shows us how to live out the faith. And so we keep our eyes on him. And we know that even when it gets tough and we don't expect what, how bad it's going to be, we still have a Lord who still walked that way of pain before us, and we keep our eyes on him. Jesus becomes our, our chief desire. So the next person, uh, Jesus actually approaches, and he says to him, follow me. And Jesus, but the person replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This sounds like a pretty heartless thing to say, doesn't it? 
just let me put my dad in the ground. What's the big deal? Um, but this is, we often hear what Jesus doesn't say here. Jesus doesn't say, follow me. And the guy says, I've got to bury my dad first. And he doesn't say, no, stop that. Come here now. It's now or never. That's what I hear when I read it. But there's this pesky little word, go. He said, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus is saying here isn't heartless and he isn't doing this. He's actually saying, no, anybody can do that. But you are called to actually proclaim the kingdom of God as you go. Uh, one of the things that um, in, in ancient burial practices is that someone would die, they would put their body in a tomb within, before sunset in the next day, and then they would wait a whole year while the body decomposed, and then they would gather the bones. The eldest son would do this, and then they would bury the bones. That was the greatest honor a, a son could do to his father. So Jesus saying, let the dead bury their dead, is kind of shocking. But he's saying something more profound here than let somebody else do the work. He's saying, we know how to bury the dead. Anybody can do it. But you are called to fill your purpose and your duty with the kingdom message, something that's more profound than anything. He's telling him to go and, yeah, do his duty, but to be a witness and a proclaimer of the kingdom of God. And that brings a greater meaning and a greater purpose into everything we do. In our funeral rite, we say something that at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Why? Because this story doesn't end here in this box or this urn. The story continues because of Jesus. We have hope at the grave. We have reason to celebrate at the grave. Uh, there's a pastor, Chris Ketch, he's out in Kent County. He, he's the priest that keeps burying all my loved ones. And every time I go and we're in the same cemetery, my family cemetery, he goes, can you imagine the party that's going to happen here? And you know, everyone looks at these places as places of mourning because I'm looking at this thinking, where are we going to put the lights? Where's the food going to be laid out? This is, this is going to be a happy day here. And it's a good reminder of, of everything in the mundane, everyday stuff we got to do, you're not just doing your taxes. You're not just teaching. You're, you're not just, you know, making supper. You are a child of God, and in your word and in your action, you proclaim the love of Jesus, that Jesus is victorious. You proclaim our hope and community and true relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. We have reason to anticipate and to celebrate everything. So don't hear what Jesus is not saying. Hear what he is saying. Whatever you do, go in the name of Jesus and proclaim the hope and the joy we have in him. Our faith is based on something solid, and that something solid is God himself. Still another said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. Do you know why zebras have stripes? No? Camouflage? <laughs> really bad camouflage. All right, Branson guys, why do zebras have stripes? 
Conf yes, to confuse lions from far away. Right. So because of all the stripes jumbled together, it confuses lions. So if you get a zebra off by himself, a lion's like, yep, that one's mine. But you put them all together, moving in different directions, and they just see a big, crazy blob of something that they want to eat. But they can't focus on any one zebra, and it slows them down, and it helps the zebras get away. Ingenious, right? Many people still think that we can do things like multitasking, it's a lie. <laughs> Researchers are saying that we actually, um, we, what is it called? Microtask. So instead of focusing on one thing at a time, we give it a little snippet, and then we move on to the next thing, and it fractures our attention. And Jesus is saying, I need to be your focus. And when I am your focus, everything else will fall into place. Uh, this person saying, I, I'll follow you, but let me, I've got to do this first. This is a priority. He's like, let me be your priority. Let me be your focus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. Follow me. Trust me. It's the same thing when you're plowing as it is when you're riding a motorcycle. You go where you look. So be careful when you see a remarkable scene because you start to just veer off and it's disastrous. When you're plowing, you need to look where you're going to make sure everything is lining up. And if you don't, you make a mess out of everything. Jesus is inviting us to be one with him and, and that's what it is to be, be a disciple. It is to follow in his way. So in the last couple of days, Peter and I put on nearly 1,000 kilometers on the bikes. I did more than him, but there you go. <laughs> That's the cost of living further away. Um, but it was amazing how in this journey together, the bigger journey across Canada kept coming into play. At every meal and every coffee break and every resting by the fire, we dreamed of where he was going to go where he was going to eat, the things he was going to see. And every time we stopped and he was messing around with Google Maps, he's like, i got to figure this out before I get out of the province, right? We need to figure this out. Everything had to do that. Now, we didn't enjoy our current journey any less because of that journey. But it was amazing how that journey brought a deeper meaning and purpose in what we were doing. It gave us a, a, a different focus. And it was remarkable. The life with Jesus, the journey with Jesus, yes, we focus on the ultimate end game and, and when Jesus reigns supreme. That's exciting and hope-filling. That doesn't mean that we neglect the people we're with now or the situations that we see. Instead, we ask, Jesus, I want to follow you in this moment. How can I be a blessing? How can I reflect your love? How can I be an agent of healing to the people around me? How can I bring your light into this dark situation? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.